Hi everyone, I'm Tom Woodbridge. Great that you're able to engage with us for our service this morning. And I wonder as the passage was being read out, I wonder if you could pick up on the main theme or, or themes that are running through our passage. Be patient, James says. Stand firm, James says. Persevere, James says. James calls us in our passage today to keep going. And it comes off the back of verses 1 to 6 that we looked at last week. James seems to now be addressing the victims of the suffering from last week. And in their suffering, he says, keep going. But it's not just the suffering in verses 1 to 6. Now, did you see the link with chapter 1? In chapter 1, James called us to persevere in the midst of the many trials we face. And so here in his final chapter, he says, keep going, persevere, stand firm in the midst of suffering and of trials. Suffering and trials that we face every day in life, but also suffering and trials specifically that we face as a result of being a Christian. And I'm sure we can all feel the relevance of this for us today. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if most, if not all of us, would say that we've felt like we've experienced trials over the last six months. The, the trial of, of the uncertainty and, and questions and doubts of everything that's going on. The, the trials to, to our health. Or, or the trial of, of our job and not sure what that looks like. Or the trial financially of what it's going to look like. And so James wants to say to us, persevere, be patient, stand firm, keep going. But the big question we have is, is how? How are we going to keep going? Well, James answers us answers that question for us in this passage by telling us about where to look and he gives us two encouragements and one warning. So how are we to keep going? How are we to be patient in our sufferings? To stand firm and persevere in our trials? Well first James says look to the future. Look to the future. Have a look at verses 7 and 8. Be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. James says if we're to be patient and keep going in the midst of suffering and trials, we need to look forward and remember that Jesus is coming. And there's two elements of his coming that James highlights. First, he says, Jesus' coming will bring an end to wrongdoing. We've said that we're carrying on from verses 1 to 6, and, and the then in verse 7 highlights that Jesus continue, uh, James is continuing on in his thought pattern. And so he's addressing the victims. And James is saying, even though you're suffering now, well, look forward to when Jesus will come again. Because when he comes again, he'll bring an end to wrongdoing, an end to all evil, an end to injustice that we face. Look forward to the future and remind yourself of that day. But it's not just an end to wrongdoing that Jesus' coming will bring. No, Jesus' return will bring an end to the suffering that Christians face 
and will bring great joy to those who trust in him. James, as we've seen throughout his letter, loves an illustration and our passage today doesn't disappoint. He says we're to be like the farmer in verse 7, who waits patiently for his crop, waits patiently for the autumn and the spring rains to fall, vital to the coming of his crop. Now, I'm no farmer. I think the last thing I tried to grow was a little pot of cress that you do as a primary school kid. And I can remember just waiting and and coming to see if it's done and and mum having to tell me, no, you've got to wait. You've got to wait. But, But James doesn't use this illustration just to show us an example of waiting patiently. No, it also helps us to see what we're waiting for. Do you see how it's described? The farmer waits for his valuable crop. It's it's the fruit, it's the joy that it brings. And so Jesus' return isn't just meaning the end to wrongdoing, which in itself would be a great thing, but it's not just that. No, Jesus' return is an end to suffering. Jesus' return means fruit and, and, and joy. I wonder if as a culture we've, we've lost the art of, of waiting patiently. We're now able to have so much instantly that we, we just don't know how to wait. Enjoyed the first episode of the new series? Can't wait till next week for the next one? You don't have to. The whole box set is available on demand on Netflix. Can't wait a week for the delivery of your new phone or or new shoes or or the hair clippers you desperately need. You don't have to. Get it next day delivery with Amazon Prime. Not sure what the answer is to a particular question. Don't know when you'll next see the person who might know the answer. Just Google it and you'll have hundreds and thousands of responses. And in fact, Google will tell you how long it took to get those responses, 0.63 seconds or something. Just as well, because I can't wait three seconds for all those answers. I mean, it's called instant messaging for a reason, right? We can't wait for a letter for a response these days. And now we can tell not only when someone receives a message, but when someone actually reads a message, so we can confront them and say, why'd you take so long to reply? I wonder if you remember the Guinness advert that had the strap line, good things come to those who wait. And they apparently came up with the strap line because people were complaining about how long it took to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. It takes apparently 119.5 seconds. And people can't wait that long. But Guinness wanted to point out, no, 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 good things come to those who wait. And maybe if James had a Guinness, maybe he'd use the same slogan. Good things come to those who wait patiently in the midst of suffering and trials. Okay, it doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Or as a friend of mine puts it at the end of every email he sends, the best is yet to come. And so, verse 8, James says, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. But I wonder if, like me, you read that verse and you go, near? How's the Lord's coming near? I mean, it doesn't seem very near if it's been 2,000 years ago since James wrote that it was near. I mean, did James get this wrong? Did he think Jesus was returning near and uh, returning soon, and so he wrote near and and got it wrong? Well, it it can't be that, 
I mean, Jesus himself said that even he didn't know when it was that he would return. And so I'm not sure how James can claim to know. No, it's not so much near in terms of time. I mean, God works outside of our time. No, it's, it's near in terms of sequence of events. In terms of salvation history, it's the next event that is to happen. You see, Jesus' first coming, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' ascension to heaven, well, that has already happened. And so we are now in the last days. And this final event, his second coming, is the next event to happen. And so in that sense, it is near. In fact, it's only not coming because Peter says the Lord is patient, wanting more people to trust in him. You see, Jesus is coming, and we don't know when that will be. But as it's the next event to happen, well, it could happen so soon. It could happen tomorrow. It may be nearer than we think. And so James challenges us to look forward and to let the coming of Jesus shape how we wait in the midst of suffering and trials. Knowing that he will bring an end to wrongdoing and to suffering. Knowing that he will bring joy to those who trust him. Keep going. Be patient by looking to the future. And second, keep going by looking to the past. Have a look at verses 10 to 11. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count them as blessed, those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James says, keep going, be patient, stand firm, persevere in times of suffering and trials by looking to the past, by looking to those who have been before us, by looking to their example of patience and perseverance in times of trials. And specifically, James mentions the prophets and Job. And it's not clear whether James had certain prophets in mind. Maybe he was thinking of Jeremiah, who had such a tough time as a prophet. You see, his, his role or his responsibility was to bring a message of judgment to the people. And unsurprisingly, they didn't want to hear it. And as a result, he was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was threatened with death. And so James says, the trials that we face, the suffering we face as Christians, well, it's not new. Look at the prophets. No, in fact, it's normal. Suffering is to be expected. We can often like to think that no one is suffering like us. We're unique in their suffering. There's no one that, that has suffered like us and, and gets our suffering. But James says, look to the past. Look at the prophets who have suffered. But it's not just their example of suffering, but it's how they suffered. It's how they had patience. It's how they stood firm and had perseverance. How they had faith and trusted in God in the midst of their suffering. And so it was with Job. We saw this in our last sermon series, didn't we? A man who, who suffered greatly. 
And, and whilst we heard of, of Job's complaints to God, how he cried out to God, Job never abandoned his faith. He, he clung on to God. He continued to hope in him in the midst of his suffering. He, he persevered. He trusted God that he was in control, that he can bring good out of it. And so he experiences the compassion and the mercy that James talks about in verse 11. We can often be encouraged in different areas of our lives to, to learn from the experience of others. Just this past week, I was, I was speaking to someone who has found the whole pandemic of COVID-19 overwhelming and destabilizing. And she was saying specifically that this was because it kept on being described as unprecedented. It, it was all a new situation that none of us had ever been through before. And so we didn't quite know what to do. And she said she found this really challenging because she suffered from really bad anxiety during the COVID-19 uh, lockdown. And because it was being described as unprecedented, she felt she was on her own. What she was experiencing must be unprecedented too. And so no one would understand it. No one would be able to help her. But then she found it was so helpful to speak to friends who had also suffered from anxiety in the past, to read different books. And she found that they felt similar, that they had the same symptoms. And so hearing about their experience and how they were able to get through it, oh, greatly encouraged her. And so in a similar way, James wants us to do the same. Be patient in suffering. Stand firm, persevere in the midst of trials by looking to the past and by those who have gone before us. Remind yourselves of the experiences of the prophets and of Job. Remind yourself of Jesus' own experience who suffered great opposition, who suffered rejection and yet showed perseverance to keep going. He trusted in God's will for his life. He trusted that God's way was best. And so he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So maybe I wonder, could you this summer take the time to remind yourselves of the experiences of biblical figures like the prophets? Or take the time to read a gospel and remind yourselves of, of Jesus' experience? Or maybe you could read a, a Christian biography of someone who has been before, who, who has suffered and yet persevered, kept going through trials and suffering. How are we to keep going? How are we to have patience in our suffering, to stand firm, to persevere in our trials? Well, we've seen two encouragements from James. Look to the future and look to the past. But finally, he gives us a warning, point three, look to your tongue. Verse nine, he says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And verse 12, he says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. You see, when tough times come in our lives, when we face the heat in our lives, well, James is realistic 
that is when we are more likely to slip up. And James says, you know, the first thing that's likely to go is your tongue. And so James warns us, guard your tongue against grumbling. Oh, it's so easy, isn't it? Not, not like full out complaining at someone, but just behind their back, a, a simple grumble to someone else. I mean, we all do it, don't we? Maybe it's uh, with a colleague about the boss who, who's continuing to be so demanding and, and, and has those deadlines, even when things are different. They're harder when we're working from home. Or maybe it's against the government because they just don't know what they're doing, right? But did you see how James is specific with the context of the grumbling or the warning against grumbling? He says it's not just against anyone, but he directs it to brothers and sisters against one another. It's against other Christians. What, at church? We'd never do it at church, would we? I wonder if you've ever been guilty of, of grumbling at church. Things not quite the way that you want them to be. People not doing the things that how you would do them. Or maybe you've actually found yourself being quite appreciative of church over lockdown. Sure, we've not been able to meet together, but the effort that's been put into the online services has, has been really great. And the daily devotionals oh, were such an encouragement each morning. And, and virtual coffee, being able to meet up with other Inspire groups, has been great to be able to touch base with people, even if it is online. And so the challenge from James is, well, keep going. As trials may continue, don't start grumbling. If, if things haven't changed by September or throughout next term, when surely we'd be back to normal, won't we? But if online services are still going, well, don't grumble against one another. Why? Well, the warning is the judge is waiting. You see here, James is speaking about a judgment to come for all believers. It's not a judgment that's, that our salvation is based on. No, no, we're saved by trusting in Jesus' work on the cross for our sins. We trust, we're saved by God's grace alone. So this judgment isn't judging our salvation. But the Bible says there's still to be a judgment by God on the way that we've lived our lives, on the way that we've used the things and the opportunities that God has given us, on the way that we've treated one another. Our salvation is on, isn't on the line. But as we stand before God, how have we lived our lives? How have we used our lives? How have we treated one another? The judge is standing at the door. So don't grumble. And second warning, he says, do not swear. Don't make vows or oaths, oaths by heaven or by earth. And, and I don't think James is speaking into like a Christian's conduct in a court of law, whether we're allowed to make a vow or not. Now, throughout his letter, he, he's spoken into everyday life and, and he continues here. In fact, he, he seems to be quoting his own brother, the Lord Jesus, who on the Sermon of the Mount talks about letting our yes be yes and our no, no. James is highlighting the integrity of our speech. He says, don't make unrealistic vows, rash vows that could be easily broken or you're not able to keep. He says, we shouldn't need to swear by anything 
in order to make our speech binding. No, he says, if you say yes to something, mean yes. And if you say no, mean no. It's simple. I wonder if, if you're someone who could be trusted by their word. Someone who, if you say yes to doing something, other people will know that they can trust that yes. Maybe you've said yes to helping someone out over lockdown, getting supplies to them who are, are shielding or isolating, and you've done it for two, three, four, five months, and it's getting a bit tiresome. Let your yes be yes. Or maybe you serve at a role in church and it's looked differently, hasn't it? You're, you're on the praying rotor or the reading rotor, or, or you, you lead an inspire group. And you just can't be bothered to record another reading. Or you can't be bothered to lead another online inspire group. Now let your yes be yes. Be someone who is known for the integrity of your speech. Keep going. Don't let trials and, and suffering negatively affect our words. Now let's have patience. Let's persevere. Let's stand firm during suffering and trials. And James says, let's do this by looking to the future and remembering Jesus is coming. And look to the past and rem remember those who have been before us. And so let's keep going. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for James's encouragement in these verses to keep going and to persevere. Help us to look to the future and remember that Jesus is coming and will bring an end to suffering and will bring joy to those who trust him. And help us to look to the past and remember those who have been before us, those who have suffered, but those who have waited patiently and persevered through suffering. And so, Lord, help us at this time. Help us to avoid grumbling or to avoid swearing. And help us to serve you and love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.